Hey everyone, I'm Kirthi and welcome to another episode on the coconut culture. You might be wondering why it's just me talking today. That's because our upcoming conversational episodes with my co-host Nimi deal with our own childhood experiences and as children of immigrants, we don't have stories that encompass all issues under the sun when it comes to the psychological challenges faced by children of immigrants. So we thought to have shorter episodes like this one to help more people feel seen and validate their experiences when it comes to these potential issues. So in this episode, let's talk about those kids in school who are the living embodiment of every Asian parent's dream. Perhaps you were or are this child, or perhaps you were compared to this child by your family, or maybe you are a parent to either of these children. So the first thing that every immigrant parent needs to understand is that an education in a different country doesn't automatically entitle one to expect their child to be a genius. It's quite common, even among millennial parents, for them to feel that they are sacrificing their known world to live in a totally different country to give their child better opportunities than they had growing up. Hence, in some way, they feel that their child owes them the best academic performance and extracurricular achievements humanly possible. Having strict parents isn't a rarity in South Asian culture. In fact, it is seen as a sign of culture and care to have strict parents. However, the degree of strictness varies immensely from one home to another, especially noted around the turn of the 21st century, possibly because of the internet, or because more South Asian families were embracing a nuclear family structure. Let's talk about one end of the spectrum, though. The Asian tiger parenting trope isn't something that exists without reason. Amy Chua, in her memoir, The Tiger Hymn of the Tiger Mother, defined tiger parents as parents stereotypically of Chinese descent who place the child's schoolwork before anything else. They demand straight A's, forbid dating until college, and do not allow their children to attend a sleepover, have a play date, be in a school play, watch TV or computer games, or choose their own extracurricular activities. A lot of South Asians would relate to this style of parenting to varying degrees. It's a style of parenting where parents and their friends are measured in success based on their child's grades, awards, and potential future income. The child's failure is often seen as their own. The effect that we observe in our social circle is that these quote-unquote early overachievers end up having a plethora of needs as grown adults, leaving their inner child craving for a warm hug, some healthy responses to failure, a few words of encouragement, unconditional love, and the ability to pace themselves in order to avoid feeling burnt out from life. On the flip side, those who can never manage to achieve the things of their parents' dreams are left wanting to fill the void in their heart with, again, a warm hug, a few words of encouragement, unconditional love, and the ability to fully embrace themselves and their strengths that may not always be academic. But to say all tiger cubs fall under one of these two categories would be far from misleading. It may even be surprising for some to learn that some tiger parent families can actually practice unconditional love and support. They do this by keeping expectations for academic achievements high, but ensuring that they are also available for their child's emotional needs. 
There's an entire spectrum with nuanced issues when it comes to each and every family, their situation, and the society that they're surrounded by. The social factor plays a huge role in children of immigrants, and woe betide the unlucky tiger parent whose child shares a classroom with an other academic achiever who comes from a family filled with love, warmth, and the space for them to dig into their own self-motivation. In most situations, immigrant children quickly learn that their family and priorities are very different from their non-immigrant peers. It isn't just their lunchboxes or their linguistic capabilities that may differ, but their outlook on how their classmates live life and play out their role as son, daughter, sibling, and even friend can be very jarring, widening the psychological differentiation between themselves and their peers. Trying to fit in outside of the metaphorical tiger den had become a nice adventure leading many immigrant children to lead a dual life of sorts, morphing their personalities to match either school or their family and the community outside. The best representation that I've seen of Asian tiger parenting while growing up was Lane's mother on Gilmore Girls. Mrs. Kim exhibited most or all of the traits that Asians, including us South Asians, could relate to. Lane hides her true passions from her mom, who only cares about her academic, cultural, and religious engagements, and finds a good and understanding friend in the class overachiever and the show protagonist, Rory Gilmore. On the show, these traits were displayed in stark contrast to Rory and her mother's warm and permissive parenting style. But what I find most satisfactory is the overall trajectory of Lane's life, her choice in profession and life partner was satisfyingly realistic without glorifying a restrictive, strict, and toxic upbringing. And without giving away any spoilers, I would like to note that in my personal opinion of Rory's life trajectory, the rather indecisive and permissive adulthood that she kind of ends up leading could be connected to her upbringing and her relationship with her mother as well. But having said that, at the end of the day, I do believe that J.K. Rowling, despite her recent penchant for controversy, was onto something when she said that there is an expiry date to blaming your parents. Once we're adults, a large part of our lives and how we choose to move forward lies in our hands. I know sometimes it doesn't feel that way, and it's okay if you feel that your life trajectory was impacted negatively as a result of tiger parenting. Parenting no doubt affects our lives in a large way. So you may be asking, is there anything positive about tiger parenting? Is it always as bad as it sounds? This depends on who, when, and where the tiger parenting styles are executed and who is receiving them. A naturally academically strong and self-motivated child might be able to thrive in this environment, provided they also receive an emotionally regulated environment. The major downside of tiger parenting is the pressure that it places on children who are neurodivergent or may have varying degrees of learning difficulties, especially those who have it in milder forms that can be managed through professional help. Another downside is the rate of rebellion. Most kids rebel directly or indirectly once they are in their teens, and this contributes to an emotionally charged living environment. I recently spoke to a friend of mine who was a tiger cub herself and asked her what she regrets about her childhood 30 years into life. And her answer surprised me. She said that she turned out fine and has a strong medical career, 
thanks to her parents, and she advocates tiger parenting to some degree for her own children. While I'm not qualified to judge her experience or advise her on parenting, I can only advocate for a different perspective brought to my attention by Crystal, a certified parenting coach. I'll tag her Instagram in one of the comments on this podcast, so that way anyone who's interested and wants to verify what I'm saying can go and check her out. She's at the.parenting.coach on Instagram. Anyway, coming to the point, she does talk about a way of analyzing people who had strict upbringings and when they often say that they turned out fine, she has a brilliant way in which a person can analyze for themselves whether their childhood rendered them to be truly fine. In order to do that, we look at the letters in the word fine. The first letter, F, stands for fawn or people-pleasing, inability to say no or feeling in charge of making people around them happy. Are you fine or are you fawning? The next letter, I, is internalization or perceiving everything wrong has something to do with oneself directly or indirectly and has an impact on one's sense of self-worth and this is what we call self-deprecation and they start questioning their own value so are you fine or are you internalizing things the third letter n is representative of the word inauthentic Or this means being or living a life in a way to please everyone else around rather than just being yourself. A lot of self-analysis is lacking in this individual. Rather, their entire persona is built around what their parents or their society wants them to be. So are you fine or are you living a lie? Finally, E, which stands for emotionally reactive. The urge to discipline your children the same way you were modeled growing up is very natural and almost hardwired into us unless you choose to unlearn and relearn your parenting ways, which can prove a lot harder than we think. In a lot of Asian families, that involves being emotionally reactive to undesirable behavior and bad grades. This, in turn, elicits a deep-rooted psychological fear in children with the hope that it makes children behave in line with the expectation of the parents or society. While a fear of consequences is definitely necessary to keep human beings in check, a desire to behave to the best of one's ability is achieved through building emotional intelligence of the child rather than breaking it down. But in order to build emotionally intelligent future generations, Parents ought to be emotionally regulated themselves. Yeah, emotional intelligence isn't academic intelligence and probably won't make a child get into an Ivy League school, but it will help them have a healthier personal relationship with themselves and their families and their future children. So the next time you or someone you know says, yeah, I had strict parents and I'm fine, remember this acronym and see whether it holds true for them or yourself. I mean, yeah, you survived, but ask yourself, are you thriving on a personal level or from a mental health standpoint? Whatever your answer, we have our personal lessons and journeys lined up in upcoming segments. Don't worry, you're not alone. We even cover an inspiring personal mental health journey with pointers and overcoming and redefining social challenges from one of our own co-hosts. So do keep following us for more updates and stay tuned.